welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story is Facebook silencing Trump or just siloing him. Hey, Binkley, tell us the Facebook story and then I'm going to give you some thoughts on it. The Facebook Oversight Committee, which is the Supreme Court of Facebook, met. This is a panel of journalists, activists, and lawyers from around the world, not just the United States. And they met to determine whether Facebook's ban of Trump was justifiable. And they ruled that it was right to ban Trump after the insurrection, the quote insurrection in Washington on January 6th, saying that he created an environment where serious risk of violence was possible. And then they said that the ongoing risk of violence justifies their decision to maintain the ban for now. However, the board said that an indefinite suspension was not appropriate and that Facebook should apply a quote defined penalty And they're giving Facebook six months to make its final decision on Trump's status, meaning that Trump could return based on what Facebook's decision is. Now, mind you, this is a board that Facebook themselves put together that has oversight over Facebook. This is unelected officials determining who can speak in the public square of the world. And And most of them, five members of the board, there's 20 members, five members of the board decide each individual case. And the requirement is that at least one of those five members must come from the country where the incident originated. So international unelected people deciding who gets to exercise there. 80% of whom are probably not even in your country. Yes, exactly. And I thought I heard, I thought I heard maybe it was like a German or an Austrian chick. So that already is a bit of a tell that this is international, which I just hadn't even thought of it that way yet. And that I thought one of the things she said, and this is so European, people who are especially trained in understanding political nuance, something like that. Did you hear that? I did see that. Yes. That's what they put on the board. Very sophisticated people. Yeah, but I mean, that's the kind of crap that gives you Coca-Cola diversity standards and uh-huh. the Atlantic magazine. You know, that's that's like the last thing you want. That's the Stacey Abrams thing. But and I do want to hear the latest on Stacey Abrams. But I just wanted to point out with the Facebook thing and Trump is that they I, I'm pretty sure that Stacey Abrams, um, that Trump is starting his own media company. Like I, I'm, I, two different people who know people have made me think that's full speed ahead. I got an email from the Trump campaign last night preparing me for Trump's first rally in months. I guess his first rally since he was president. And it was asking me what city I would prefer to have the rally in. I didn't re- I don't remember what the cities were, but he's coming back. He's going to start touring again. Yeah. I think it's probably I, I my guess is that this is going to be a PT Barnum scale media launch that and, Yeah, and the media is going to be thrilled about it. That he will be thrilled about. No, the media is going to be thrilled to have something to cover. It's not Joe. Yeah, Biden. yeah. But I think, no, I mean, I think it's going to not be a launch of his like uh, battle to take back the White House. It's really secretly going to be a launch of his media empire. That could be the case. And we have seen that media empires kind of control the world at this point now because yeah. they control the information and the, the environment we speak in. This ruling that Facebook has 
all the other social media companies are watching closely because they could too implement this Supreme Court Board of International folks who are going to be making the decisions that we are bound by. So this is a kind of a backdoor to world government, this digital hidden hand or the digital deep state, if you will, making decisions for all of us. Okay, so I want to I want to pick up for a couple of reasons on the possibility that all this nonsense, all this histrionics, all the politics is really for the media company itself. And I would say, so they're definitely using censorship, whatever. That will launch frank speech and more important, the Trump media group, whatever it is. And I, and I think about the Facebook Facebook live live streaming, two things happened, which really put it on the map. One is the first, like the day one in the very early days, if not the day it was launched, there was a live streaming video of a cop, white cop killing a black guy. That's, that is how Facebook live streaming got on the map. Also, there was that Southwest airlines flight where someone supposedly got sucked out a broken window and everyone in there was 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 talking and Facebook living when Marty Martinez was Facebook living if i recall correctly who it was who was doing that nobody had their oxygen mask on or anything it's just not possible like there was no wind there was nothing so like that story was super fishy and one of the things he was doing from the airplane was was live streaming, which was weird. But all of this yeah. was like an ad. And it reminds me of that crazy Joe Biden, Jimmy Carter picture that we've seen over the past couple of days. I don't know if people have seen this. It's trending on Twitter for sure. But it's a picture where Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter are sitting in chairs and Joe and Jill are kneeling next to the chairs, which is weird in itself. Like, why would they be kneeling next to the chairs instead of? Uh, so it's clearly, I think, because they're giants, picture, right? Yeah. So I think the picture was set up because the whole framing of it was weird. But why it's trending is that Jim, Jimmy Carter and Rosalind Carter look teeny tiny and Joe and Jill look giant next to them they look bigger than them even though they're kneeling yeah and it's just a really strange optical illusion picture clearly in my opinion it was intentional and then if you read the article straight out of the guardian a newspaper the actual subtitle of the article is does this this picture looks crazy well you we you wouldn't even necessarily have to have a fancy lens if you have an iphone 11 or an iphone 12 <laughs> you can take this picture so we've really seen the the merger so i was talk about fascism from the back or soft fascism back to our fascism this is really the continuum the politics corporate media continuum that that is is actually commercial to the point where it's all it's all just about filthy lucre it's all just about money it's it's even more banal more uh like uninteresting yeah, you nailed it. You would think when you said when you brought that story up before the show, and you're like, "It's probably an ad for the iPhone," <laughs> yeah. and then you looked at the article, you, you were you were dead on. This is definitely <laughs> beneficial for iPhone because to- it was weird. I mean, it was such a weird. It really looked like it looked like spam. <laughs> it really does. It looks it looks cartoonish. And what it also is though, so the Carters are about the only couple in America that make the Bidens look young. Okay, and we have the Bi- yeah, Biden standing to the left and right of the Carters. 
looking like giants among men, giants among presidents. It looked like Elf, the movie. <laughs> yes, it did. You know, where like the teeny tiny it did. Um, yeah. Bob Newhart and the big giant Will Ferrell. Yeah, that's exactly what that's, it looks like. That is like. what it looks like. So, okay, now we can get to the the Stacey the Abrams steamy, stuff. The steamy yeah. Stacey. Steamy Stacey is what they're nice, calling Nice, nice. Good one. So, Stacey Abrams, as many of you know, because we talked about her for a long time. If you've been listening to us for a long time, we highlighted long ago that Stacey Abrams has a pen name of Selena Montgomery that she has written a bunch of romance novels under that pen name. Well, those romance novels were limited print because people didn't really buy them in the beginning because they didn't know who she was. but now she's more famous. Everybody knows who she is. So they are re-releasing three of Stacey Abrams' romance novel, novels. They're reissuing them. She's going to put her actual name as well as her pen name, her spy name on there. And these three books that were published about 20 years ago under Selene Montgomery, they are titled Rules of Engagement, The Art of Desire, and The Power of Persuasion. This is a trilogy that is about a cast, a diverse cast of characters who work for an espionage organization in the U.S. government. Now, I highlight that part of it because Stacey Abrams told Seth Meyers, maybe a year ago or so, talking about her books, that she writes characters that have jobs that she would have if she wasn't doing whatever it is <laughs> she's currently doing. So, maybe I'm implying Stacey Abrams is a freaking spy. Because she, you couldn't spell it out anymore. You got a pen name. You're talking about, yeah, I, I write spy characters because I want to be a spy in another life. Maybe you are a spy. That's amazing that you would say that because it really reminds me of the Anderson Cooper thing where his only job was with the CIA. And he went to Yale and she went to Yale. And I'm going to – I have her – CV handy, her curriculum vitae. I want to like tell you a few highlights which support your theory, which I had never really thought of before. But I'm annoyed because I bought a Selena Montgomery novel a while back when we were covering Stacey's run for governor. And the one I got was the preacher's daughter having a steamy romance with, I don't know. And I, I really could not read it. I just couldn't. It wasn't so bad. I just have no tolerance for just gratuitous nothingness, relationship stuff, sex. I can't I just I can't waste my time. So reading about other people doing things that aren't plot oriented. Thinking so, about Stacey Abrams sitting around imagining all of these things is what and really thinking helped. that it's supposed to be her. Yes, but I don't course. think like that. I don't care about that. But but I would have really been able to get my mind around a spy one. If it was good enough, I wouldn't care the occasional gratuitous sex scene. But uh, very woke the, also. The is it? it? The characters. Yeah, it's all very. From what year? Those were written 20 years ago. She's yeah. got. I'll tell you about the new one she has coming out after. after you yeah, get, I could probably yeah. tolerate. It's like my example of. Quiet American. It's pure propaganda. And I found out later it was actually written by an MI6 guy. But it was so well written that I didn't care. You know, I don't I don't yeah. care. Nowadays stuff is like I just downright cloying. But let me just tell you, like now that you mention it, I think she probably is an actual I mean, obviously she's an operative. But let me just rattle off the things that she's done. Not everything. I have three pages of it. I'll just take like the first couple that are the internships and tell me if you think this is what a spy would do. Uh, Okay. She's a lifetime member of the Council on Foreign Relations. She was so obviously, but she was a next generation fellow 
of the American Assembly at Columbia University on U.S. global policy and the future of international institutions. That program churns out assistant secretaries of defense. It fosters smart power, practical goals for the exercise of power, and a con- these are quotes, a context sensitive approach to alliance building, cultural influence, and military force in foreign policy. Does that sound like the kind of spy Stacey Abrams might be? It maybe does. It does sound okay, like I, that. I, I, I know we have a lot of stuff, but I'm going to rattle off a few more. An American Marshall Memorial Fellow, which is establishing transatlantic engagement among elites in America and Europe from business, government, and civil society. An American Council of Young Political Leaders Fellow, which is a Department of State, U.S. Department of State program, which looks for college juniors and seniors who exhibit discretion and decorum. Sounds spy-y. She's a Council of Italy fellow, an Aspen Rodell fellow. Here's a big one. A British American project, formerly known as a British American project for successor generations fellow, which is it was quoted as being an example of Atlanticist Freemasons. This is the famous journalist John Pilger saying many members are journalists the essential foot soldiers in any network devoted to power and propaganda. That, she was part of that. Um, that's Chatham House related. A Salzburg seminar fellow on U.S. East Asia. Wait, East she was Asian part Asia. of a, a group that focused on power and propaganda through the Chatham House? Yeah. Yeah, spy. Yeah, it was founded, that group, the British American Project, was founded by Nick Butler and R-I-I-A, the Royal Institute of International Affairs slash Chatham House Fellow. That's the parent of the CFR. Uh, it was also Ronald Reagan, Rupert Murdoch, and far-right oil baron Howard Pugh were the founders. So, so she worked really for a Rupert Murdoch organization. Left and right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Kissinger. I mean, the, the big one for me is the Kissinger one. She was a Salzburg Fellow on East Asian Relations, a Salzburg Fellow. This is a German thing. On youth and civic engagement. So that's an international thing on youth and civic engagement. And she was a UCOS fellow for U.S. Russian relations. Now that UCOS went down in a, a, a blaze of glory. And I think the guy was accused of being a spy by the Russians. The guy who was the big billionaire behind that, the oligarch. And I, and I think he died in jail. Uh, very scandalous and we say like they kill him but this guy Putin or those folks said that the guy who ran Yukos was the spy and what it did this was established by Kissinger and Rothschild and it says the program's organizers were convinced that direct and immediate interaction among young people would be capable of shaping the relations between the future elite of Russia and the United States and inculcating healthy democratic values on a global scale. Yeah, Kodor- Kodorkovsky. He was a hero of the West, but likely <laughs> a tax cheat. That's um, when they put him in jail. But this was basically Stacey Abrams working as an intern for an oil company controlled by Kissinger and Rothschilds to infiltrate the school-age kids of Russia and teach them about, quote, democracy. So I would say she sounds like a spy. And you can have the rest of the show because I took more than my fair share of time. 
Well, there's some more Stacey Abrams news on top of that that's related to that, and that is that she is releasing a new book as well. It's a Supreme Court thriller called While Justice Sleeps, this legal thriller about a Supreme Court justice whose descent into a coma plunges the court and the country into turmoil. Now, I want you to listen for the the cultural topics that, that stick out here. She's an agent of cultural change is basically what, what That's Stacey what is. all those things yeah. seem to... While Justice Sleeps, which is coming out next Tuesday, it has a sprawling plot that features a U.S. biotech that features a proposed merger between a U.S. biotech company and an Indian genetics genetics firm. Was, India is in the news right now with the, the COVID stuff coming down there. And so it's a genetics firm that's combining with U.S. biotech and this also a cruel disease with a potential cure as part of the plot, a conspiracy involving the top echelons of the American government, a corrupt and ruthless president, a Supreme Court posed to decide a case with worldwide ramifications, and an intellectual scavenger hunt that begins with a mention of a 19th century chess match. So all except the chess match are hot cultural (laughs) topics and political topics right now. I I don't even like the premise. I literally got in the mail yesterday a book that's out of print that I uh, stumbled upon. I haven't looked through it yet called The Supreme Court and the Constitution. And I'm hoping it talks about the fact that the Supreme Court should have absolutely nothing to do with deciding whether congressional law is constitutional or not. There's no way in the Constitution to enforce congressional law on the state. So state nullification is the obvious rebuttal. And if you're talking about the problem of one Supreme Court justice being unavailable, you're talking about all the power in the world laying in the hands of one person when it's really supposed to be a panel of nine. I would I would say it's better to have an even number on the Supreme Court and all ties are non-answer. It does make you wonder because this book originated from the thought that there is no there's no backup plan if a Supreme Court justice is incapacitated. And I'm wondering if that happens. If that happens and it's in this book, then yeah. we have the answer to our question. Well, about- that was my mom was just talking about that. She was just talking about if there isn't a whole number, it doesn't matter. If there isn't an odd number, she's like, it doesn't matter. But it would be good, like with Senate or whatever, if the default state for a tie is no action. The yeah. problem is then they bring right. in a tiebreaker, which gives that tiebreaker All the power, lots and yeah. lots of power. So yeah. what it should be is if you can't, if you're at this razor th- thin a margin, then don't implement new law. Don't right. make a monumental decision. Like it's if it's that if it's not even that obvious or if people are equally divided on what's right or wrong, that means there's way, way too much power going on there. Yeah. And it goes into her writing process as well. It talks about how the writing of the book is a family affair. Her sister Leslie, who's a, an Obama federally an appointed Obama appointed federal judge, helps her with the legal issues. Her sister Janine, an evolutionary biologist, formerly with the CDC, helps her with the medical aspects. Her sister Andrea, an anthropologist, counseled her on matters of ethnic ethnicity and religion. And her brothers, they read the early dra- draft and make suggestions about the plotting and pacing. So the brothers, they she doesn't really give the men too much. She only input. has that one brother the one Walter, who's, in, who's the drug addict no the other brother is a social service worker also oh really and he was a professor at at i think historically black college i believe i mean the the druggy guy probably has some value to add if you're talking I mean, she about exploits real the hell life. out of him 
out, out of his story all the um, time. I, I'd and, be very surprised if she has anything to do with him. Well, it's interesting. No, I know she talks about him, but what can you do with a druggie? Right. Stacy says that when she's not writing a book after work, she spends a few hours watching TV, then reads for a few more hours. Who has time to do that? Who is a politician? If you're doing all the stuff Abrams is allegedly doing, who has time to do four hours yeah. of television watching a day? They used to say that about Obama and Trump. They just watch a lot of TV. And it makes you think that face jobs have a lot of extra time. Yeah. I mean, I would love to watch four hours of TV or have four hours of free time every single night. That's that's unbelievable. And that's all with the Stacey Abrams spy story. We will come back to that question in the future. I'm certain of it. It's not the only thing coming out of Atlanta today. No. there The Atlanta cop who was involved in the shooting of... At, at the Wendy's, the one yeah, yeah, guy who took the one. taser, Lashard Brooks, I believe, was the yeah, name. Yeah, where that was yet another Lashard example, Brooks. just like the George Floyd thing, where the cop cam timestamp did not match the official narrative. Yes. Garrett Rolfe, who was the cop who shot Rashard Brooks in the Wendy's parking lot, he had his, he was fired. And that has been reversed. So in a statement from the Atlanta Civil Service Board, they said due to the city's failure to comply with several provisions of the code and the information received during witness testimony, the board concludes that the appellant was not afforded his right to due process. Therefore, the board grants the appeal of Garrett Rolfe and revokes his dismissal as an employee of the APD. So just like we talked about, no due process. They aren't giving people due process when they do yeah, trial. He's going to get back pay. For sure. Oh, back pay. Oh, so he's going to sure get paid for us. I assume, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but we have this in conjunction with the appeal being filed for a new trial. Chauvin's lawyer filed for a new trial because of some of the reasons are because of prosecution mistakes, because of we saw the guy who did the interview had the George, had the shirt on about get your knee off of our neck. There's a long yep. list of misconduct that Chauvin's lawyer put in this appeal for a new trial. So we have these these cases potentially reversing, and that's good for justice if justice is actually sought and due process is granted. But what's that going to do? What's the backlash going to be? When this comes out, when this becomes oh, a more course, prominent story. Of course. I mean, I, I, I thought as soon as they didn't sequester the jury, we talked about it. I certainly said that is grounds for a mistrial. Yeah. And a mistrial means a new trial. So uh, and the other thing was, I thought there was something funny about that. That drug dealer who was in the car with him, alleged drug dealer, admitted drug dealer. I don't know. He, Floyd's girlfriend said that he that they yeah, got okay. drugs from him. He shouldn't have pled the fifth. He should have. Once he pled the fifth, they should have granted him immunity that he could not be prosecuted based on anything he said. Then you can compel the testimony. They could have compelled the testimony. That I knew there was something weird yeah. about that. So that's what I, I thought. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm interested to see where that goes in the coming weeks. Before we get to the last story of the Free 30, which is something we've both been curious about, the NBA vaccination story sounds fishy for a couple of reasons. We're going to get into that. But here is a preview of what you're going to get in the Patron 15. I think we might have cracked the code on the Gates divorce. We're going to color some of that in for you. And I have some oral history 
provided by a listener about some of the stuff we were talking about. Tim Scott, the Deep South Dust Bowl from uh, a, a patron's grandparent was talking all about those times. So I'd love to read you a little passage that was submitted quite generously by a patron. And of course, a big thanks to the sponsor of today's show, True Hemp Science, truehempscience.com. I love these guys. My guy, Chris, is the guy there. You can set up a private consultation with him if you're interested in their products. People... Defo loves CBD products. So if you are already a true believer in true hemp science, talk to him about the variety of super, super high end products that he has. Nobody I know who I've sent there who likes CBD products has been anything but highly praiseworthy about it's the best quality stuff out there. And uh, for me, I'm new to it, but I notice that it is. You know, I, I think you're not allowed to make claims, but in my personal experience, I have found that uh, it is beneficial to the mood. So if people, maybe you're in the habit of having two glasses of wine at night, or some people take Benadryl because they're afraid of sleeping and of not being able to sleep, there's various CBD oil, stuff like that really puts you in a calmer state of mind. You sleep well, you feel good in the morning. There's no way to really understand it. It's unlike anything I've ever experienced before without actually trying it. And then there's like more straightforward stuff like the fantastic body lotions. And actually one way to do it, and I think that Chris will give you some uh, sample products, is if you try the skin products and you see how effective they are, you'll understand that this is a natural product, but it's as effective as the artificial stuff you're getting from, you know, at CVS. So I think it's worth checking out. Check out their, their offerings. Go to truehempscience.com slash prop report. And then you can use the promo code prop code. Yeah. And then you can. You also have people say, hey, cool shirt, man, if you wear the shirt. <laughs> I know you love the shirt. He's got a lot of stuff, but he actually has a lot of stuff that's not even on the website. Like you can call him and talk about the issues. Like my son has eczema and he was talking to me about, I don't even think it's a CBD product, but like other things that that one might be interested in if you have these kind of problems that no conventional medicine helps. So I'm going to look into that. I'm starting down that path. It's just, you have to, it takes a little work. These are natural products. Like the skin products are so strong. You know, you have to really take care of what you're doing and know what you want. That's why it's good to set up a consultation. But anyway, give it a shot. Tell them I sent you. And if you want to support us, we love it when you support our sponsors. You can go to thepropreport.com, go to the shop button, and you can either buy some of our awesome logo merch and you can also find links to all of the people who have ever sponsored our show. So that's fun, too. We've got a lot of great products that you can look at there and spread the love because we depend on these people for to keep us going. And if you want to do something nice for us, you can leave a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform, or I would say every podcasting platform that you use, you could get us a shout out on some of your other favorite podcasts. If you do get us a shout out, 
send us a clip of it and we will play it. It's the only exception we make to playing a clip on the air, but it's very fun. We love that. Spread the word. Go to uh, thepropreport.com and up there where you see shop, you can also see subscribe. That helps us. And donate. So if you don't want to subscribe to patreon.com or rockfin.com and you just want to make a one-off donation just to keep us going, to help the free stuff going so we everyone can keep sharing it, do that please at thepropreport.com. And now on to the last story of the free 30. Here it is. Dennis Schroeder, who is an NBA player on the Lakers. He used to play outed, for the Hawks. He's play, he used to play for the Hawks. Yeah, the Hawks drafted him. He played yes. for the Hawks for a few years. So he outed himself and LeBron as being the only NBA players that he knew of who were not vaccinated. So I thought that was weird on a couple of different levels because you still see NBA players testing positive for COVID. So I don't know how they explain that unless it's just Dennis and LeBron who are testing positive. Anyway, they, it's if I read the story right, he is suspended, but LeBron isn't. Dennis is going to be missing 10 to 14 days because of the league's health and safety protocols. This is his second absence because of COVID protocols. The first time he missed four games back in February because of exposure found by contact tracing. It's unknown, it says in this article, if he has received a COVID-19 vaccine. This article came out today, but it is known. He, he said he didn't get it, right? Well, maybe they they told him he'd get it or cost you your job. What, has he ever it? tested positive? I don't think so. I don't think so, no. What, what's interesting is, oh, okay, so this article does go on to say that the Lakers have had several meetings about the vaccination, first in December and then again back in April, and that they definitely pointed out to the whole team the benefits of getting as many guys vaccinated as possible and how there's competitive advantage to it. You know, for lack of a better word, there's lifestyle advantages to doing it, said the Lakers coach. Ha ha. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you can come to the games. And LeBron has been, LeBron has missed three games, but they're saying it's because he's resting an ailing ankle. I wonder if maybe they're lying about the reason. Well, I mean, I think that so far what we're seeing is a like option where you can just get tested every day or every other day if you don't want to get the vaccination. I had a tweet say they don't even believe that about the NBA guys, that they don't believe they're really vaccinating all of them because yeah. some of them would be injured by it. That's true. And there's a lot of them that are, are just going to be against it. I know there's some Major League Baseball players that have tweeted out that they are not going to take it and given an explanation as to why, because something happened to a family member in the past and it got a lot of backlash. And you got to expect the same from the NBA. You're just not going to hear about it because I think the NBA players are tight, more tightly controlled by the league than Major yes. League Baseball. Yes, but... Uh, as the tweet pointed out, myelitis, which is like a paralysis of the extremities, is not something you want in your basketball player. And people yes. are going to know. I, I did so, hear that LeBron was having some problems with heavy menstruation. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so I did also, somebody mentioned to me that uh, that the only possible explanation for the only possible outcome for people vaccinating and not vaccinating is it, it or a backfiring 
of the population control agenda is the people who are voluntarily getting vaccinated, if they're the ones who are getting us, you know, having reproduction, reproductive issues or having problems, then you're really punishing or eliminating or weeding out the people, the sheep who are going to go do it or the people who lack critical thinking or the people who want it. Like you're actually, if it's harmful, you would be harming the very people who are following your orders. Now, it could be that that's exactly the people you want to eliminate, that you're actually looking for a super race of smart people who aren't messed up. You know, it, it could be. But then when I saw that they were working on a vaccination that could actually impart immunity to the people around you, like a contagious vaccination, then that kind of eliminates the self-selected part of it. And and then as a part of this thread, someone said, you know, I, was, I knew somebody who worked at the CIA and it was just like my experience where someone interviewed with them and they said, our tech is 10 years ahead of what the public has. But I didn't realize they used it. They were using the tech 10 years ahead. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's what these the two are saying. Like, if you know about it, they're already doing it, actually yeah. using it. I would agree. If you have an invisibility cloak and you're the only one that has it, you're not going to leave it in the closet and not use it. You're going to use it. It would have to be something people can't tell. An invisibility cloak, that would work. But that's then when you bring in that UFO as a cover story, the whole UFO phenomenon as a way of covering up tech they use that we're not supposed to have. Yes. I do want to clarify. You didn't say that you interviewed for the CIA. You said somebody. I did not. A friend of mine who did not take the job interviewed for the CIA. Yes, it's not my experience. It was hearsay. Yes. No, I was just clarifying so people didn't think that you did. I, I knew that you didn't. Yeah. No, I have say. not. <laughs> yeah. Although I tell my kids, I'm like, you could. Well, I don't know. Have you seen that new commercial about the intersectional commercial, the CIA intersectional commercial where it's a, no. it's a black woman? She it's, and it's strictly, I mean, Stacey Abrams might have wrote it. It's all about identity. It's all about I'm, I am. It says I am intersectional and it's an it's a job recruitment ad for CIA. They're literally recruiting for the CIA. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I mean, I should clarify the thing about like telling my kids they could do it. I, I feel like if you're on the inside, you might actually get some inside scoop. So you're I don't telling know. Them, I mean, you're saying you guys can go undercover at the CIA. Samson. Come on, buddy. Samson is is saying, watch out for the CIA. Be careful. Samson just sits next to me, making sure nobody gets close. He's protecting you while you do the show. Yeah, he's not a vicious one. He's a golden retriever, but he's just, it's just hilarious because he'll just sit there like, he's, and he'll he's, perk up if anybody walks by. <laughs> he is dog patrol for the propaganda report. <laughs> he is definitely Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol. But yes, I don't know. I, I'm sure I'm basically tongue in cheek about the CIA, but I try to tell the kids that they can do whatever they want. Like I, yeah. I I'm I don't feel like I get a little hopeless about how much power we have. So I feel like get whatever job you want. Be a cop if you want to. What do I care? Like just be a good one. You know, because yeah. I think the ultimate thing is Absolutely everything is feeding the system. If you're playing ta- paying taxes, you're feeding the system. Unless you're a tax protester, in which case you're in jail and you're feeding off the system. And you're just finding somebody, you know what I mean? Like we are in this system. 
And if you can, you can probably make the best of it or make a difference from any position in it. Although I myself could not bring myself to take a job like that. Yeah, me either. I mean, I couldn't even, I wanted to be an anthropologist until I found out, I literally got accepted to Harvard as an anthropologist. And then I showed up and found out there are no actual jobs for anthropologists that aren't just government grants. You and I went been a and, consultant on Stacey Abrams novel. Like your sister. I just didn't know about that. So I went to the dean and I said, look, I need to actually work. And the only practical major here, and it's not even that practical, is economics. So gimme. She said, okay, but I was bad. I shouldn't have. I was an idiot. People are stupid. Kids are dumb. I was dumb as a kid, I should say. Anyway, but to someone who isn't dumb, and that's the person who left us an interesting story on thepropreport.com that I'm going to read to you. In the patron 15. Awesome. No shout outs today? Oh, I have a couple of shout outs, actually. One is a request. I've gotten requests to include more pictures of the neighbors meetup in the next newsletter. So I put out the first newsletter, May 2021. You can go to thepropreport.com and hit newsletter and just click through to May. But... I'll put more pictures in it next time if I have them. So if you want, if you're okay with me putting the pictures up, email them to us at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com. Do that. Email it to me. And the other thing is we are doing a long awaited, much demanded live stream with Jill, the homeschooler. We had a great patron only zoom party with her, which we did not record at I mean, we agreed not to record it, but it's a shame because everyone there wanted to re-watch it. It was so fascinating, informative, hopeful, um, professional. And, and it was just the patron saints talking about their experiences. And Jill had kind of the most to say, the most uh, structured stuff to say. So she agreed very generously to kind of redo that with us. We're going to do it on YouTube as a live stream this Saturday, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. We're going to do the live stream with Jill, the homeschooler. And what I'm hoping is that all those same patron saints and anybody else who has homeschooling experience, please show up. It's going to be like a disappearing patron party, but it's not going to disappear. Show up, chat, log into YouTube, you chat on the side. We pull up the questions. Jill answers them. You answer each other's questions in the chat. And then if it goes smoothly, we can button up that audio and put it through the podcast feed. So thanks in advance to Jill. And please set your calendar to Saturday, this Saturday, May 8th, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the YouTube channel. YouTube, I hope it's youtube.com slash propaganda report. But in any case, I'll tweet it. I'll put it on the prop report dot com and i will also put it on patreon.com all right you guys can find your drive time news blast every week afternoon at the prop report.com your favorite podcasting platform with the propaganda report podcast feed if you want access to that extra content we were telling you about go to patreon.com slash propaganda report or go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report we do have a new rockfin video up a couple of new ones actually we will talk to y'all tomorrow or in the patreon 15 have a fantastic rest of your day